Today is April 22nd, and this has been quite a week in the world, but on thisiscommonsense.org, you've been uh, putting stuff up, but you've been on the road. I have been on the road. I'm having to actually work these days. It's terrible. It's a terrible crime against humanity. This is This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula, and we cover the big stories of the week that have appeared at thisiscommonsense.org. That's the website that Paul does his uh, daily commentary, Common Sense with Paul Jacob. We had a kind of an interesting slice, I think, of, uh, of topics this week. On Monday, it was uh, Zuckerbuck's Sucker Punch. Uh, if I remember the title correctly. And um, this is a subject that uh, a lot of people don't know anything about, but Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, uh, Dr. Priscilla uh, Chan, uh, together contributed $400 million to county, city election bureaus, election departments, whatever they call them. And, um, and that was for all kinds of things. It was kind of billed as this is money to help with COVID and doing whatever they need to do to, to make sure people don't spread the, you know, the, the virus. But it turns out from a couple different estimates uh, by pretty reliable sources that one, two, three percent maybe was for that. A lot of it was get out the vote efforts. And of course, getting people to vote. I mean, as long as you're not hoodwinking them into, into voting or, you know, I, I've never been that fond of, of, you know, the idea that you should vote whether you want to or not, uh, or whether you know anything or not, or care at all or not. But anybody who wants to vote, I want them to vote. And, and so we have a, you know, you do get out the vote. Well, that's wonderful. But here's the rub. If you only do get out the vote efforts selectively in certain cities, certain counties, and it turns out that those are counties that tend to vote much more democratic, and later you do an analysis that says, well, uh, in the counties where these, this money was spent, uh, Democrats did very well, but not only that, they did better than in other counties where Democrats did well but that money wasn't spent. And so there's, you know, I think maybe the way to look at it uh, for anyone who's doubtful, uh, if you're on the left, think about if Charles Koch had given $400 million and it was spent mainly in Republican counties. And of course, Charles Koch is not the Republican that the media makes him out to be. He's always been kind of critical of the Republican party where it's not you know, pretty good on economic stuff. And that's often that it's not very good on economic stuff. It's just that the Democrats, uh, I talked to someone today who said, you know, I, I find myself more Republican, although he didn't like the Republicans at all. He just thought the Democrats had gotten so crazy. But anyway, if Charles Koch was spending all this money, it was all in Republican counties and, and places in the state, I think you are mostly I think that there would be a, a hue and cry. And, uh, and it just seems to me that you have to step back and say, okay, what's the principle here? And it, it seems to me that you can't, you can't have public elections 
decided by which private people put money up to do things. If it's a thing that the government needs to do, it needs to do it with public money. That's my two cents. More than two cents. Uh, many millions. That's what I understand. $419 million to two nonprofit organizations. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I know I didn't get any of it. I, no. I, can I complain about that? Yes, you can. It's America. You still can. Okay, very good. There's a lot of these little stories lurking in the background uh, about how the election was stolen that isn't about stealing elections, but it's sort of in a weird way gaming them, right? It's it's a it's a it's a kind of a it's all kind of off the beaten path. You're going to have another one next week. We're working on another piece that's a similar situation, and. Uh, a lot of uh, participants don't seem to be playing fair. Not only do you have this sort of thing, but you have the media coverage that was so completely out of whack. And I think maybe maybe my biggest problem with the with the media coverage on uh, before the election with hiding Hunter's laptop and just different the, the way the media behaved is that there's no recognition that they did anything wrong whatsoever. And uh, if we totally fail to cover a story, even if they admit they totally fail, and it's always stories that would put the Democrats in a worse light or the Republicans in a better light, you know, you, well, we can't trust ne next October. If the New York Times comes out with a story, how could you possibly believe it? And if the Washington Post or the, or the, you know, NPR, here's the thing, you know, NPR is usually has all kinds of rotten propaganda all the time, but NPR was so fast to self-righteously say they weren't going to cover the, the Hunter Biden laptop. That is a publicly supported institution. And so that's a state sanction. And I know they, oh, it's not really that big a percentage. If it's one cent, you leeches. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my wife listens to, to uh, uh, commie radio, as I call it, NPR. It's, it's not that it's poorly done. I'm not, I'm not can't complaining about their pragmatic ability to do radio. The truth is they probably could be independent and not take any government money. They almost take it as a badge of honor that they get to steal from us as they're doing the news. So it it just it just irks me so much. And to think that they were so quick to not just not cover it, but state why we're not going to cover the truth is, is what they ended up saying. And it's obnoxious that I am forced I will go to prison if I don't pay for national public radio to be on the Democrats' side. I have to make a contribution to the Democrats because I have to pay taxes or go to jail, and those taxes go to NPR, which is a Democratic operative. And the, the truth is, Washington Post is a Democratic operative, too, and so is the New York Times, but I don't have to pay for them. Yeah, that is a difference. Speaking I was just of looting. Well, that's a nice segue. <laughs> Speaking of looting, looting is a bad thing from Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Go read it. I think I, I had fun writing it. It's a fun piece. Uh, it quotes Bill Maher, who has kind of gotten it on a whole bunch of levels. And, and the truth is, he kind of always did get it largely on freedom of speech. 
and on, uh, you know, it was very libertarian on that issue. Uh, but he started to talk about how, you know, incredibly crazy woke the left had become and that he basically did the, <clears throat> I haven't changed. I haven't become more conservative. They've become goofier is what he said. And he pointed to things like, like, uh, you know, that there's really nothing wrong with looting and, uh, and, and other ridiculous stuff like defunding the police, which of course now the Democrats are trying to run from, but they're having trouble in part you know, the media's kind of turned on those issues, too, because they realize, oh, we went too far. But it's, it's, I'm kind of thinking, you you egged them on. You dragged the Republic or the, the Democrats even further off on the limb. And then you're going to kind of attack them to try to force them to come back and not lose this election so badly. But uh, we we go further here and say, great, it's, uh, you know, salute Bill Maher for, for seeing this. But if you've been a big believer that government ought to do all kinds of things all the time and be controlling all kinds of parts of our lives and and, uh, you know, he went into them spending all this money during the pandemic. But my goodness, they've been spending all this money before the pandemic. I mean, it went it went to hyperspace. Uh, You know, they bought hyperspace anyway. They have spent so much during the pandemic, but it's not as if they didn't double the national debt you know, in the in the six, eight years before that. And and of course, Biden has spent way beyond Trump. But Trump was soon as we got into the pandemic. I mean, it was under Trump that he in fact, his signature, I think, was on the checks. If you got a check, I mean, they, they sent my money right into my bank account. I think they know where I live. Did it, you get it, two checks or one check? I think I got two. I think we got a second. Yeah. I only got one check and I never understood what was going on. And I, and I was at first, I was first happy that I didn't get any money because I did, I felt morally superior, all you people who leeching <laughs> off the government. But when the second check came, I realized I had to pay some taxes. So I paid taxes with it. <laughs> it's the kind of thing too, when, when they're handing out money to everybody, you're kind of thinking, Hey, what about me? But it's, it, how insane was that? That it was, and it couldn't really be based on need. And, and the problem wasn't that people didn't have money other than, I mean, certain people didn't, but you're giving money to all kinds of people who had money. The problem was something else. And it was almost like, maybe if we send money to everybody, they'll like us or, you know, that's, and, and of course we did a, a couple commentaries about different statements that have been made about how, how smart the politics of Biden you know, doing the checks to, to kids, uh, which go to their parents, by the way, who can vote. They're not giving it to the kids. The kids can't vote. And, and all this sort of splurge in spending where you send it directly to, hey, Tim Verkula, here's your money. Paul Jacob, here's your money. And, you know, you, you can't hate them as much as you did the second before. Actually, you can, if you think about it. Mar says that, you know, they've gotten crazier, they've gotten goofier, but your Thursday piece, if we skip over Wednesday just for a moment, TikTok docs war, that shows how crazy they've gotten. But the thing is, some of this, some of the, you know, the videos that were shown by uh, libs of TikTok, which is sort of a, which is just a Twitter account that shows videos off of TikTok, basically, just 
but the most important thing is they're using their own video. I mean, right, it's not right. Like they surreptitiously recorded them or something. Right. This they is have they've put out these statements, and this uh, this person who's now been doxxed uh, by by Taylor Lorenz, who what what makes this story so incredibly juicy? And it was funny. We you know a lot of times we have a day or two because we're not always in the in the news cycle so much. We're looking at different things that I that we see as you know, kind of highlighting different problems in, in our society. But this was so obnoxious. And of course, as we were doing it for like the next day, uh, Glenn Greenwald did something on it. Matt Taibbi did something on it. Uh, Tucker Carlson had something on it. I mean, it was like, like on every, every cable news show had something on it. And it was because this Taylor Lorenz has made a career out of like going after people. And then when she got called on it, this was what, a year or two years ago? Um, she was in tears and how can they ruin her life and so on and so on. And here she is, this is her career is to try to ruin people's lives. And, and this woman, to make this woman out to be some evil person. Who runs libs of TikTok. Or, yeah. or, or, because we're not talking about Taylor Lorenz, who's also a female. So yeah. Yes, yes. She's kind um, of, she might be an evil person. She might be. I'm not saying that she is. She, she seems kind of pathetic to me, is what she seems mostly. But but empowered. And that's that's what we see again and again is it's so often the empowered people who are complaining about the attacks on them and the and as if they're the victims constantly and and it seems like you know they're victimizers uh, more often and this is look she's she's free to do it's not a crime to dox somebody but uh and and maybe you know I don't know how long somebody like Taylor Lorenz is going to be around you know causing trouble uh hopefully not that long I think the the uh, libs of TikTok may be around longer, uh, unless we can deep six, six uh, TikTok altogether. But uh, only because it's, you know, I'm worried about the Chinese government getting a lot of information. Uh, I, I have nothing else against TikTok. TikTok is pretty vile. Uh, the reason I brought up TikTok or the libs of TikTok or the, and this piece uh, when we were talking about Bill Maher is because Bill Maher is sort of saying, you know, they've gone goofy. Well, how goofy have they gone? If you've watched libs of TikTok, you can see how goofy they've gone. But you also see that the themes of their of their goofiness, the weird sex themes, the the the, the racialism into a the nth degree. I mean, lot. I mean, you know, he has several famous critical race theorists on his program all the time. You yes. know, Bill, Bill Maher does, yeah. and some of these comedians, like John Stewart, now has a program that's uh, that's got not going anywhere. Uh, he's gone completely woke on the subject of critical race theory, and it's not a popular program, but it's on Apple TV. I mean, it's not a blog, it's not a vlog, it's not a podcast. It's on Apple TV. I've never watched an episode yes. because I just couldn't imagine watching an episode of Jon Stewart being sanctimonious. You know how sometimes something happens in politics and then it's like, oh, the Nazi reference. It's got to be everyone's Hitler, you know, Trump's a fascist. But the behavior of a lot of people, what's behind the, the, the kind of emotion behind critical race theory and, and just racist anti-racism, supposedly, it smacks of the cultural revolution. And, 
And I think, I don't think most Americans have any appreciation for what a catastrophe the cultural revolution was. And, the, and, and we are coming up to an election in which the Democrats are kind of selling, hey, we could have a cultural revolution. That's, and, and they can, they, I'm, I'm sure any Democrat is like, ah, so you're crazy. That's not what we're selling. That's what your customers think you're selling. <laughs> and, and I say that because polls are showing that. I mean, look, I'm one little guy. I can, I can say, oh, this or that. It doesn't matter. But go, go look at the polls. Go look at some of the different stories and the way people are talking about Democrats. And I listened to a pollster this week. Uh, give a presentation to a group of people and and just talk about how, you know, and he, and he made it clear, and most of these people were, were Republicans. Um, he made it clear, you know, they're not in love with the Republicans. The public is not in love with the Republicans. This isn't a, um, you know, maybe during Reagan's time or something, people said, you know, I like the Republicans. That's not what's happening today. What's happening today is, I don't know who these Democrats are or where they came from. It's like they're from outer space and that's not good. And it's not they're from outer space and they might be interesting. It's from outer space and we need to do something quick. So uh, it, it's, you know, this, this being able to just show the Democrats. If I think that Whoever people are focused on when they go into the voting booth, they're going to vote for the guy from our gal from the other party. The piece we skipped over, the Tuesday piece, uh, April 20th. Was that right? Yeah. No, it's the Wednesday piece. Principal yes. gets F and payoff. Where did they come from? Where did the where did all their nuttery come from? Well, you know, in a sense, they came from colleges and from schools. Uh, yeah. People have been trained. Uh, I've, I, I watched young people being trained by zealot teachers uh i watched you know young women becoming radicalized by teachers who basically took it as their calling to train kids in social justice yeah and you see a lot of that on on youtube other places rumble <clears throat> where this is this week in common sense is but uh no that's been going on for a long time that the school's the universities are Marxist, and that's not new. They were all Marxists when I was going to school. That was a long time ago. And and uh, but I, I guess the uh, the the I think people were really troubled by this story. And when I read it, it was just just like, oh my goodness, because this is a story about a principal in New York City who basically is on has publicly stated things all kinds of things have come out where he's basically said just you know graduate the kids just give them the grade no matter what it doesn't matter no one cares we don't care if they get any education i mean this guy sentenced a number of people to life without any real education whatsoever and, you know, when you, when you talk about <clears throat> for the children all the time, if you aren't just mad as hell about this story, something's wrong with you. His name is magnificent because as I read it, his first name is Cursed. Now, I don't know about you, but to me to have a guy's name Cursed is, I know it's spelled K-H-U-R-S-I-D, not C-U-R-S-E. 
a cute accent d but <laughs> i pronounce it cursed cursed abdul mutakabur or mutakabur i don't know how you pronounce the last name at all but i know you pronounce abdul and i hope it's cursed he should be <laughs> but but the, here's the kicker to the story is that so they find out he's done all these things, that he's basically just inflated the graduation rates and denied people education and run a horrible. Think about hiring someone to run your school who does the worst possible job you can imagine. That's this guy. And so what happens? He's been given like a six month, six year, a six year uh, deal where he makes two hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Uh, to do what? Well, they do, who knows? Maybe nothing. You know, in New York City is where they have what they call the rubber rooms, where teachers who they can't afford to allow around decent people like kids. Uh, this is where they go, still earning their money. So why is this? Well, here's why it is, because there's a union that's super powerful in politics altogether. And I'm sure me saying it to, you know, I'll be attacked that you hate teachers. Uh, and when I was in school, I had a love-hate relationship. I think most people do. Uh, there's great ones and not so great ones. But this, the, what the union has meant is that the education establishment controls our schools. That's why a lot of people in Virginia thought it was okay to say the parents really shouldn't have anything to do with it. We're the professionals. We'll decide. And, and, that was a loser at the ballot box, big time. So it's, you know, this, this story, uh, I think got a lot more, it's the sort of thing that just, you, you've read so many different stories about ripoffs in public schools and, and getting bonuses so that by inflating it, but here's a principal who just clearly didn't care anything about the kids and, and he's winning. He won. He got money. That's the thing is he got this huge payout, right? Yes. Six years, 260K a year. He makes so much on that deal that he might have to pay taxes. Yeah. Yeah. That's only one piece left for the week, right? Today's. Which is um, four or five doctors disagree. And uh, <clears throat> this is a piece uh, that's about California. And about the fact that they are talking about passing a law that would allow medical licenses to be pulled if doctors don't tell the line. So, you know, we hear this BS about it's between you and your doctor. No, it's between you and your doctor with Big Brother standing over everybody's shoulder saying, here's what's going to happen. And here's what you're going to say. And here's what you're going to do. And then put this is the needle that's going into your arm. And, and shut up, doctor, or it's off to the gulag. Well, not quite the gulag, not yet. Yeah, we'll get there. This attitude, and, and the, the funny thing is, I think for a lot of people, it's, well, people could die. It's, we have to be so scared about everything that it's okay for tyranny to exist on medical stuff because it's just too scary. But this is exactly where you cannot allow and enforce silence, millions of people will die. You know, look, mankind, the, the whole profession of medicine 
And so, you know, when they were bleeding people back in the 1700s, it was not helping. It was not helping. And oftentimes medicine, we're, we're people. We're not, we're not geniuses. We're not angels. We don't know everything. We're not omnipotent. And so we struggle. We learn. We, you know, we make mistakes. And we have to be able to make mistakes. And some people say, we can't make mistakes. This is people's lives. You're making the biggest mistake. You're killing millions to everyone that is killed because some honest person made them. Some doctor was wrong about something. They're wrong all the time and they'll continue to be wrong all the time. And if you shut them up, they're going to be really deadly wrong. Yeah, the, somehow people forgot that free speech actually has benefits. That that freedom is a good thing. That science goes with it. There's a whole book written by a major philosopher, Michael Polanyi, called "The Logic of Liberty," in which he showed that science and general freedom fit together, and it's a it's a good thesis. And I don't think somehow maybe it's because of teachers who are the, who are teaching in schools run by people whose uh, first names are cursed, but uh, somehow they don't understand this uh, thesis anymore. Um, but we have covered everything. Every piece have that we, we? we've covered, every piece that you wrote this week. I think we're pretty amazing there. That's yeah. all I got to say about it. Oh, well. So you're off subboard doing important things, and that's why you're. That's why people may notice a more boomingness in your voice. I'm in a just enjoying myself on vacation. No, I'm in a hotel room and uh, and working on an effort to secure my vote in uh in michigan a, a voter id uh gets rid of zuckerbucks which we wrote about uh on monday uh and and does some good things on election integrity and i'm i someone was saying i can't believe you didn't go to the to the detroit tigers game because i'm a huge detroit tiger fan and miguel cabrera who's been you know, the Hall of Famer, 500 plus home runs and and is about to hit. He's, he's got 2,999 hits. So he's about to hit his 3,000th 3, hit. And only seven people in all over 100 years of baseball history have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. So it's a major accomplishment. So I would love to sneak over to the ballpark. Uh, and and uh, it was postponed tonight. Tomorrow, there's a chance I could sneak over there, but unfortunately, I'm very busy. People may not know that you actually work for a living, uh, and it has things to do with politics and and uh, and you know initiatives and referendums and things like that. Yes, and uh, and you have more than it's more than just common sense with Paul Jacob and this is commonsense.org. You have Citizens in Charge Foundation, uh, Citizens in Charge, an organization, and more importantly, what's your big outfit? Uh, Liberty Initiative Fund, we, we work with people to do initiatives around the country that we think help improve freedom and, and government accountability and so on. And, uh, and so that's, that's where I, I spend most of my time. But uh, Citizens in Charge and Citizens in Charge Foundation are dedicated to protecting the initiative process, the petition process, and, and for everybody, you know, for people who do initiatives that I think are crazy and wrongheaded. I still want the rules to be there to allow you to do that. And it's the same sort of thing as speech. Uh, if you really, you, you want the benefits of, of speech, you have to let everybody speak. 
And, uh, and if we can't figure it out, we can't figure it out. But somehow some from the top uh, entity telling us what we're going to do and not do, that's not, that's not the approach I want to go, uh, go be a part of. But anyway, that both uh, Citizens in Charge and Citizens in Charge Foundation are dedicated to protecting and expanding the initiative process. And Liberty Initiative Fund is for people who love freedom and want to use that process and sometimes other processes. I mean, we, we lobby sometimes and we, we do other things to try to change the world in a pro-liberty direction. I've always been interested in uh, the kind of work you do. I've never wanted to do it, by the way. I, that, that's, that's, that's an entirely different thing. Uh, I cannot imagine. Uh, I've had friends who've you know, taken petitions and so forth. I think the last time I did anything like that was in 1980. So I've never been much of an activist. You know, the, the Ed Clark for President campaign, which That's of course exactly most, what it was. most people probably are going, what? Who? What, what, what? Yeah. But. 1980, Ed Clark, uh, uh, lawyer for an oil company, uh, Arco in, in California, had run for governor of California and had done very, very well. I think he got uh, 400,000 votes or something, but uh, did really well and then ran for president. And... Uh, all kinds of libertarians that, you know, that was our first, uh, I first collected signatures for Ed Clark. That's the first signature I ever collected as a petitioner. And um, in fact, uh, I got paid 50 cents a signature, which is today kind of nobody in the, in, would, would do it for that probably. The rates have gone oh, up there. They're five, six, $7 sometimes. I did it for free $10. because I'm, I'm certain I got no pay for the signatures I collected. Yeah, well, I did some for as a volunteer, but I, I went on the road and- I Oregon. did it in Portland, Oregon. I made the first day, I went to the University of Kentucky, uh, and the first day I made more money gathering petition signatures than I think I'd ever made in a week in my in my life. So it uh, just shows what, what a smart guy I was. Anyway, but but it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It's not the greatest work in the world, but it, the campaign part was kind of fun. But it's, it's interesting when I was doing term limits, of course, we're petitioning all over the country all the time, sixty eight thousand different places, and uh, I can I was always needing people, and I called my sister one time, and I was really wondering if she knew anybody who might want to go, uh, but I pitched her on going, and uh, she was she was very dismissive, and then she said. I'll go when it's $20 a signature. And so we talked and, you know, well, think about anybody else. And so anyway, I hang up, you know, and I'm about to make my next call and the phone rings <laughs> and it's my sister. So I pick up on well, what's up? She says, no, I won't go for $20. I'm not going <laughs> to petition no matter how much money it is. <laughs> now, one of the neat things about the Clark campaign is that we were delivering the books, too. We were giving books for free. Did you give books for free when you were collecting? No, no I was petitioning. I hate to do anything other than petition while I'm petitioning. And then you'd have to carry them or have them someplace. You, and, and You know, maybe that's all I did I is give books. We, we constantly were giving that book out and they, that campaign had all kinds of things. Remember they had three, four, five different issues where, where Clark had issued a, a white paper on it. And of course, a lot of the people working on those people like David Bowes then went on to be the vice president of the Cato Institute for the next 30 years or however long, uh, geez, I think 40. Uh, and so you had, you know, you had a lot of, uh, 
there were a lot of smart people working on that campaign. And I think it, I think gained some, uh, made an impression in the media because they, there were stats and there were positions and it was serious. It was not a, you know, it wasn't sloganeering. It was, here's what we would do. Right. I, I've never I, seen it happen again in, in, in Libertarian Party history. I've never seen yes. it happen again. No. Now, I'm not and, saying it, should, it shouldn't be done the same way, but it seems like there were some things they could have emulated from that campaign. Well, that's I think that's the biggest one. And, and I think you have to, you have to talk about what you're going to do right now. No one wants to hear about a libertarian world some and in some galaxy far, far away. It's it's a practical thing. What are you going to do? And and it doesn't foreclose ever talking about where you'd like to get to on different things. But I think you have to be very serious and practical because that's what the public wants. And 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 I don't think they're stupid to want people who are who are trying to get into public office to be practical uh with you know the voters aren't very good at it but that is the thing that interests me about what happened to the libertarian party over the years is that I, the funny thing is i don't mind libertarians being radical because i've become more radical over time uh mainly for kind of for the same reason that bill maher has been the same over time they've all gotten goofier but i'm saying they've all gotten goofier to me everybody's gotten crazier so i've gotten a little more radical nevertheless i still think you have to say what you want to do tomorrow and you have to be rational about it and you have to make an appeal uh to people on what's going to happen in the next month or two and why libertarians can't make a a play on this way i don't know which well, is why I, your, your outfits are so important because you actually deal with actual issues uh, on a one-to-one -one yes. basis part of it is you you know depending on what your number one issue is and if there's a certain look if 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 your loved one is dying of cancer and there's an experimental drug that you think will save their life your number one issue is the right to try legislation that's your number one issue and if someone says we're talking war or peace i hear you but this is life or death right here for the person i love most you know if you know, on all these sorts of things it's legitimate to say i value this issue more than that issue that's uh sorry i mean it's not okay to like take someone else's freedom away somewhere to to enhance your own but it is okay to vote on the basis of what you think is more important and, and that's another thing that I think a lot of times, because the Libertarian Party has always distinguished itself by having very principled stands, there's almost this thought that we have to show everybody how principled we are by talking about every issue under the sun as if they're all of the same importance. And as if we, we have just kind of, if you just do it our way, everything will work out. And, and I have to say, that's, a, that's where, as I've gotten slightly older, still incredibly young, but slightly older. Um, I have, I'm more and more, I want to know how it's going to work out for people. Uh, and I think in, in foreign policy, especially, I'm, I'm much more okay with certain, like, like, I think NATO comes across today as not such a terrible alliance. Now, I think it's probably been pretty terribly run. And, and of course, that's a can of worms, because we could go another hour on that. We've done so in the past, so people can yes, go in the have. backlog on, on Rumble. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, That's right. And we're offering all past issues for free 
all yeah. past uh, podcasts or video casts are now free for the general public. So you can just go back through them and watch them all. So this is probably the place to mention SoundCloud and Rumble. We yes. mentioned Rumble. And and if you want to know where on SoundCloud or where on Rumble, uh, the Earls are a little bit weird. So just go to thisiscommonsense.org and every weekend there are special posts about what we've done there. And I thank you for that, Mr. Uh, Vercola. And uh, we will live to uh, to try to be free for another week. Okay. We've done it on the podcast. This has been This Week in Common Sense, starring you, Paul Jacob. Mm-hmm.